You are Locked On Fantasy, your daily fantasy football podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Fantasy Football Podcast. As usual, I'm your host, Vinny Iron. When I'm not doing this, I'm writing about NFL and fantasy football for SportingNews.com. If you come over to the site now, you can check out all the stuff for off-season mode. There, I've got player rankings and coach hot seat. All that good stuff is up there now at SportingNews.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Vinny Iyer. Here on Locked On Fantasy Football, we will continue with our early off-season series, well, mid-off-season series, of looking at the different divisions around the NFL, see what they've done there to change their fantasy outlooks and all that good stuff. So let's uh, dive right into uh, our division of the day. It's the NFC South, and uh, you can check out our previous podcast there on the AFC East and NFC East. But the Saints and the NFC South are a very exciting division. So we'll start, however, with the Atlanta Falcons. We'll go in alphabetical order to make it easy on you. Now, the Falcons, Matt Ryan, the big news this offseason, he got the extension. A lot of people are ranking him pretty low as a QB2. I think the concern is where the touchdown is going to come from and all that, and the question marks, and things not working out with Steve Sarkeesian. But remember, this is what we said with Kyle Shanahan after the first year. It didn't work out at all, at all. But Ryan really rebounded, really turned on the light for him in year two with Kyle Shanahan. We know what happened there. He's the MVP of the NFL, lit things up, was a very consistent, reliable, elite fantasy football quarterback. So he's a good rebound candidate. Right now, I think you have to look at him more as a QB2, just because there's been more things that have uh, popped up here. But I'm going to bet before this whole process is over and we see – the effects of what's happened this offseason at Matt Ryan is going to be more of a QB1 that we look at. And traditionally, the consistent guy around the 27 touchdown passes in that range. And uh, that's definitely good for the backdoor QB1. Still, the situation not changing behind him. Matt Schaub is the backup. Pretty good backup in a pinch if something were to happen to Matt Ryan. But Ryan's been rather durable of late for the Falcons. Now we go to the wide receiver core, and Matt Ryan is Julio Jones and Muhammad Sanu, but they add Calvin Ridley to this mix, and we'll have to see who plays in the slot, Muhammad Sanu or Ridley. Sanu has some success in the slot, but Ridley can also play outside. So when you look at all those three receivers together, suddenly you have a complete receiving core. They were missing a guy like Ridley. He had to go use the first-round pick on the star from Alabama there. So overall, a good pickup for the Falcons, and if he's a first-round pick, you know they're going to put him to use. So that's going to be a source of more Matt Ryan production. Justin Harding has, be, has been a disappointment. Marvin Hall, just a flash big play. They have Devin Fuller at this position. Not really anybody that you completely trust. So it's going to be a three-receiver situation here. Pretty clear pecking order. Jones is that elite wide receiver one. Sanu and Ridley, we're going to watch this battle to see who's going to get the more regular looks here, who's going to be on the outside versus the slot. I still assume the Falcons are going to use more wide receivers, three wide receiver sets this year. So Sanu and Ridley, I'm going to watch. None of them, they're appealed to me as a wide receiver three at the moment. We'll have to see if some maybe something emerges in the pecking order. But Jones is so far ahead with his targets and 
I think underrated touchdown ability, which Sanu and Ridley are going to help him get more open in the red zone, the combination of those guys. So that's probably going to help Jones in the end. So a higher-end wide receiver one is Jones, but he's locked in there. The injuries have not been as an issue for Jones of late either, so you're feeling really good about Julio Jones there as a wide receiver one. And Sanu and Ridley, we're going to watch that battle with great interest to see who gets the most snaps and potentials for targets there. At tight end, we have Austin Hooper. We've been waiting. He had that big game against the Bears way back in week one last year. Everyone like flocked to him, but then they didn't use him enough. I think he's just very criminally underutilized. Part of it is probably the Sarkeesian offense. Maybe they'll realize we need to get him more involved, but then again, they did draft Ridley because they were looking for a third threat behind Jones and Sanu. So Hooper, I just can't expect too much here from him in fantasy. He's clearly a Tight end two, tight end two with upside, but still no higher than that. When you look at the the running game, Devonta Freeman, Tevin Coleman, not much has changed here. Freeman is locked in there. Like Matt Ryan, he's going to be part of this offense for a while, the fourth-round pick in 2014. Tevin Coleman, the third-rounder from 2015, still in the mix, but in a contract year. So there's some motivation here for Coleman to be a big part of this mix. Maybe Freeman is motivated as well to say he deserves to be the feature guy and not much of Coleman here. Coleman wasn't very well used in Sarkeesian's first season, so that's lukewarm there. But you look at Devonta Freeman, he's locked in to me as an RB1. Well, Coleman, you have to look at as an RB3 at best until you see more signs that uh, Sarkeesian can use him better this year. But maybe having the contract here and the motivation there will help. Also used a draft pick on Edo Smith, a guy that you just have to keep an eye on, a fourth rounder as a potential handcuff swing backup to both Freeman and Coleman. So that's the Atlanta Falcons for you. And we're talking about teams on these podcasts all the time in the offseason to break down the offseason. Best way to listen to all your teams is on the Lockdown Alpha Network, team by team, your beat report all throughout the offseason. There, we also have you covered with the NBA, with the NBA Draft podcast and looks to fantasy basketball, what's left in the playoffs, the teams left in the playoffs, and the teams already looking ahead to the real NBA draft. And then finally, MLB, if you haven't heard, Lockdown Network is also home to a great MLB network of podcasts as well to get you through the long grind of the MLB season, which has been pretty darn good so far. Now we go to our second team in the NFC South, the division we're breaking down now. It's the Carolina Panthers and another team that's made some offensive changes. We'll start with Cam Newton. Now, no more Derek Anderson. looks like he's headed off to possibly retirement. So, Garrett Gilbert, Tyler Henneke. So, Newton, fully control here. He's the man here still in Carolina. Now, we look elsewhere at help at wide receiver. That has changed here. Russell Shepard, Demir Bird, Curtis Samuel, now have company behind Devin Funches and Torrey Smith, Jarius Wright, and the first-round pick, DJ Moore. DJ Moore in this mix, for sure, for the Panthers. And uh, it's uh, looking like an interesting uh, combination of receivers here. Funches locked in as a wide receiver top starter here, but I would say wide receiver two more in fantasy because the touchdown potential catch rate upside. DJ Moore, I'm going to watch as a wide receiver three, two. I just like his value a lot more than what Smith can do. One trick pony stretching the field. Russell Shepard's just a guy at this point. Demir Bird has had some flashes. Curtis Samuel coming off injuries. Jerry Wright is pretty much a slot guy that's trying to help the rest of the team learn Norv Turner's offense. So 
I would expect Moore to end up with a big role and have a real good chance to start with Funches, making him a wide receiver three, strong consideration right now. I was a wide receiver four in that range, while Funches definitely think locked in as wide receiver two, especially in non-PPR because of his scoring potential. At running back, the news was that the Panthers have added a running back, C.J. Anderson, to this mix. They had Fozzie Whitaker and Cameron Artis Payne as the backups to Christian McCaffrey after Jonathan Stewart was released. But C.J. Anderson's a good fit here. That's going to affect McCaffrey's value for sure because Anderson is a good early down back, can finish well in the red zone when his best days were there in Denver. So McCaffrey, we're hoping for a bigger role. We thought it was looking good with no Stewart, but all of a sudden here comes Anderson cut by the Broncos pretty late in free agency. So they're going to take a look. He's a good North Turner back, the power back that can set up the deep passing game. So that's going to be interesting. I think that drops McCaffrey down a notch. I think in PPR, he's a high-end RB2. In uh, standard, I think he's more of an RB2 with near the bottom, maybe borderline RB3 because it's Anderson move and not getting chances in the red zone. He might get a few more touches in the running game, but Anderson definitely cuts into that for sure. With Anderson, we're not going to go higher than RB3 because we know this team can go pretty committee with the backs, even with the... No Stewart here with Whitaker and Artis Payne. Cam Newton can also pill for touchdowns as well from the running backs. And we look at tight end Greg Olson got the extension, and he's still going to be locked in as a tight end one here for at least a season or two. He's not going to hang it up here for the broadcast booth, but Ian Thomas is the guy now behind him, the draft pick, fourth rounder from Indiana with some athletic upside. Still, it's still the Greg Olson show as a tight end one, and that's pretty much how you sum up the Panthers here pretty easily going into 2018. The one thing we're watching is the battle behind Funches with DJ Moore, the first rounder of great interest. We go to New Orleans Saints, and uh, the Saints are going to march on. The news we heard was that Mark Ingram has been dealt a four-game suspension to begin. That's not going to change too much here. Alvin Kamara, however, will get a boost here from early in the season, we know he's already locked in as an RB1. Ingram is more of an RB2 regardless now. And now you're going to be a little bit more lukewarm given he's going to miss a quarter of the fantasy football season. So Ingram, you're going to drop down a few notches. Kamara, bump up a few notches in your ranking. Ingram is more of a back-end RB2, maybe RB3. While Kamara, to me, is a high-end RB1. doesn't matter if you're in PPR non-PPR. Is that going to be that big part of the Saints offense? And uh, with Ingram missing games, that's going to be huge for him. Now, quarterback, it's Drew Brees, still Drew Brees. We know he doesn't miss games. Tom Savage is, by the way, the new backup behind him. Taysom Hill and JT Barrett are also some developmental guys, but Brees is not hanging it up. Got re-signed as a free agent for two more years, so he's good to go. Now, will he rebound a little bit better in fantasy? I think so. I think having Ingram out for those first four games, going to attempt more passing attempts from Drew Brees, working Kamara a little bit more. So good start for Brees. Good development there, and I think the Saints are just going to put up more points and be a more dominant team. And, I know they haven't needed him a lot of games. Without Ingram, he's going to have to throw a little bit more to get the ball in the end zone early for sure. So that definitely is a bump to Breeze and his value. I still think he's a QB1. I think he's more around the 6, 7, 8 QB1 that I'm going to trust right now with his ceiling just because of the running game and defense of New Orleans, cutting into his necessary superfluous production. Now you look at wide receiver, they're loaded here. Michael Thomas locked in as a wide receiver one. He's trying to do more damage than he did last year. Ted Ginn is a wide receiver three because of his big playability. But 
The twist here is Cameron Meredith is in the mix, taking a flyer on him coming from the knee injury. No more Willie Sneed, so Meredith essentially replaces Willie Sneed as the number three option. They also have Austin Carr, Tommy Lee Lewis, Traquan Smith, a third-round draft pick, Brandon Coleman still around, added Josh Hufton's mix, Paul Turner, a whole bunch of guys there, but right now Meredith is in the best bet to get third status. Still coming off the major knee injury from Chicago, he's more of a wide receiver three at best for me. So again, and Meredith are there, but I think Michael Thomas Gonna have a mo- another monster year. It doesn't matter what format, PPR standard. Michael Thomas is the man. A tight end. The surprise was no replacement here. We thought they might sign Jimmy Graham. We thought they might sign Dal or draft Dallas Godert. No, it's Josh Hill. So not much to see there. Nate Wozniak and Dion Yelder. If you know who those guys are, a couple undrafted free agents are the best options. Josh Hill we know has done a f- few things there. Benjamin Watson is back, but it's completely hard to trust him at his age. He's kind of a Saints Emeritus tight end there. Moves on from the Ravens, but still completely hard to trust there to do some receiving damage, especially splitting with Hill, the blocking, and receiving combined duties there. Michael, Illinois Mike. Michael Humanamui is the backup guy behind them, but a pure blocker. So not much to see there at receiving tight end, even with a familiar name, Watson, in the mix for the Saints. Now, who are the future stars that you're going to see in league? Traquan Smith was in the draft for the Saints. This year, got Marcus Davenport to help that DST in 2018. you got to listen to Lockdown NFL Draft on the Lockdown NFL Network. The 2018 draft may be over, but the 2019 draft talk is just beginning. Check out that show only exclusively on the Lockdown Network. Now, our final team we'll talk about is an interesting one. is Tampa Bay. They keep Derek Cutter, the Buccaneers do, as their head coach. So some changes of note. Some things stayed very much the same. Starting with Jameis Winston, he's still here. We're, we're still waiting for that big QB1 breakout. Still more of a QB2 here. But uh, first-round pick of 2015 still has to do some more damage here in fourth year. We're still waiting for that big breakout. It could come this year, but... Uh, Right now, we're going to temper our expectations and take him as a high-end QB2 in a platoon situation. At wide receiver, not much changed here at all. Deshaun Jackson is still the guy on the outside. Mike Evans got the big deal. Adam Humphreys in the mix as well. And they have Chris Godwin. It's a matter of time before Godwin takes over for Jackson. That hasn't happened yet. Humphreys is just a guy in the slot at this point. On, on this one. So Evans, we're hoping for big things. Maybe the contract thing is looming over him. Maybe the contract will actually make him less motivated. We'll have to see how it goes with Evans, but let's hope he can tap his upside and play more like the elite wide receiver one he should be in fantasy football. But that's how we're still going to approach him. Jackson Goodwin battle, Godwin battle is going to be something we're going to watch. I like Godwin creeping up. Jackson's getting up there in age. Godwin has shown some talent there. So that's the battle I'm watching most on the Buccaneers. Tight end is also interesting, but I think there's room for both Cameron Brayton and O.J. Howard, and that's why you can't really trust a third receiver yet really on the in the Bucks, and really the number two receiver is a battle. But Cameron Brayton and O.J. Howard still in the mix. O.J. Howard, Brayton makes it really hard to trust either from week to week. One can get more involved. Howard obviously has the bigger upside as the first-round pick. Brayton has had a nice career, carved it out as a free agent in 14. I think right now I'm drafting Howard over Brait, but because they both exist on the same team, they're both more the really borderline tight end, tight end one, tight end two. It's really hard to trust one from week to week. 
It's not like you want to have both options on your roster, but if I'm going for more upside and a stash on my roster behind a more reliable starter, I'm going Howard over Brait for sure in 2018. And finally, as we close the NFC South talk, we're looking at the Buccaneers running game, and Ronald Jones, the second from USC, was drafted in the second round. He has a great chance here. Only Jaquiz Rogers, Charles Sims, and Peyton Barber ahead of him. No more Doug Martin. He was released, signed by the Raiders. So this opportunity comes great for Jones. I think he's a very good early down back. He doesn't get enough credit for what he can do in the passing game, his wiggle and all that. I know they've liked what Jaquiz Rogers can do. They've liked a little bit Barber more than people expect. But overall, you have to think the Buccaneers are ready for going forward without uh, what they got from their backfield last year, Martin or otherwise. So Ronald Jones is a good chance to emerge as an RB2 here. That I'm going to look great interest. We just have to see Dirk Cutter not favor Rodgers and Barber so much and Charles Sims who's been hanging around. So that's a battle we're going to watch, but I expect Jones with his talent pedigree second round pick to emerge there. So there you have it. There's a look at the NFC South and fancy early offseason look there. Thanks so much for listening. Please subscribe on wherever you get your podcast. And uh, we're proud to be on the megaphone format there on Panoply. So thanks so much. We'll talk to you next time with our next division in tow for the fantasy football outlook for 2018.